This is Truth Encounter, and this is what Easter is all about. Victory over aging, deterioration, and death. And Jesus Christ is the one man who can promise you you will never die and deliver on the promise. Let's join Dave Wordson as he shares something very special that every believer can certainly relish. The neat thing about being a believer is that you realize you're going to perish for a little while. And the ultimate perishing for this physical body is when we die. And Mary and I have been there, and a lot of you have been there. One of the worst downs, one of the ugliest pains, one of the most severe sledgehammer blows is to put a loved one in the grave. It's perishing. And I've shared with you in the past that when Mary and Mary's dad and I, Dr., uh, Pastor Van Camp and I, were in the Holy Land looking at an archaeological reproduction of a dig, and they had a dig that was done where they discovered some bones that were about 3,000 years old in the Rockefeller Museum. It was all set up. And I had gone through the museum looking at all the exhibits, looking at all the jewelry, and said, well, it doesn't look that much different from what you know, is present today and everything. And I just kind of left Dad behind. And then I looked back, and he was standing in front of this glass case, and he was weeping. I went over to him. I said, what's the matter, Dad? He said, look at that. And I looked, and there was a grave with the decaying bones. And he just began to sob and said, my boy, that's what's happening to him. Paul says, no. Just physically. But not in reality, because what is sown perishable, it's going to be raised imperishable. And that changes darkness to light. It changes tears of ugly, gloomy despair and cynicism and a philosophy and a way of looking at life that will ruin everything that counts into glorious dawn. Because God says, no, that won't be the last thing that's said about David Van Campen, about John Van Campen, about Nani Lewis, about Papa Lewis, and on down the line of precious loved ones that are not celebrating with us today because they have perished. But the Lord says, no, that will not be the final story. They will be raised imperishable. They are sown in dishonor. They are raised in glory. They are sown in weakness. There's nothing weaker than a corpse. I've carried them. It sounds gruesome, but it's true. There's nothing weaker than a corpse. If I pick you up and you're alive, it's easy to carry you, even some of you that are heavy. You helped. Your very life helps, not a corpse. They just lie there. They're weak. They're impotent. There's nothing, no strength. But Paul says they'll be raised in power. They're sown in natural body, but they're raised a spiritual body. Then he gives us some evidence to prove that there's a spiritual body. You know what the big thing that we're hoping? Our confidence is rooted in this. David, are you sure there's a spiritual body? What I mean by that, are you sure there's a lily? 
Are you sure that, that believers one day are going to be transformed as much as from that to that? Are you sure of that? I want to share this with you. Do you have a body now? How many of you have a body? Raise your hand. Anybody that didn't raise your hand, I'd really like to meet you afterwards because you're a rather unique individual. Every one of you got a body. You know what Paul's going to tell you? Just as certainly as you have a physical body, if you believe in Jesus Christ, just as certainly as you have a physical body, you'll have a spiritual body. You say, Dave, how does it follow? Look what Paul says. If there's a natural body, that's what you got now, a body that's suited to live on planet Earth, there's also a spiritual body, and that's not an invisible body or some mushy thing that's kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost. He doesn't use spiritual like that. It means you have a natural body that's been especially adapted to live in a natural world, the Earth world called planet Earth. He says, I'm going to give you a spiritual body which is prepared to live in God's existence, which is the real existence, and I'm going to give you a body that can handle that environment. That's what he's saying. Then he talks about two people. So it's written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. How do you have a physical body? I'll tell you how you got it. It all goes back to a fellow named Adam. If you don't believe in Adam, you're going to have a hard time believing in Jesus Christ. And there's no Easter for you. See, if everything just happened as a mistake, if everything happened by accident, if everything happened by chance probabilities, then I don't like where evolution is going. You might think evolution's really moving. It's really going ahead. What I see it doing is producing a bunch of corpses. I don't like that too well. You know, we think, man, this earth is reviving and we're getting better and better and everything's going greater and greater. I see everybody getting sicker and sicker and poorer and poorer and they, get, they die and then they rot. What kind of evolution is that? You see, I believe in a biblical evolution, a real biblical evolution. You know what that is? Change. Evolution means change. It means transformation. And I don't trust chance to do it. I trust Jesus to do it. Now, let me tell you the difference. You got a physical body because of Adam. One day, God took a pile of dirt. He, he explained it to you like this because he likes to teach children, loves children. So he says, all right, kids, let me tell you how it happened. I made this statue. You know what statues look like? I, I took some clay, some dirt, put it together, molded a body. And it was dead. It was just a statue. And then I went... And I breathed into its nostrils the breath of life. And the creative power of God went to work on that mass of carbon and, and magnesium, traces of that, and calcium, and on and on. God went to work on that nothing, that material it. And it became alive. You see, when a corpse dies, you can weigh it. A second before it dies, weigh it a second afterwards, it weighs identically the same thing. And just about the same everything is there, except one big thing. It's not vital anymore. It's not alive. How do you move from a, from a nothing, a material it, to a someone? Explain that. I'll tell you how. You have the ultimate someone give a gift. 
And every one of you have a precious gift called physical life. And there was a first Adam that was the father of our race that gave us all physical bodies, but he proved to be a rebel. He proved to be prideful. He proved to be foolish like the fellow we started out today. He didn't believe what God said. God said, Adam, don't eat from one of the trees. Listen, eat everything you want. Just don't eat one of them. If you do, you're going to die. I'm sure Adam scratched his head and said, what's dying? You're going to die. You're not going to have life anymore. You're not going to be following me, and I'm the author of life. Don't do it. You will certainly absolutely die if you walk away from me because I'm the author of life. Very first thing Adam did, as the representative leader of mankind, is he disobeyed. And that's why there's death. You see, death isn't the natural thing. We all have the idea that, well, death is just part of living. It's just the rhythm of life. It is not the rhythm of life. It is a dastardly invasion from evil and wickedness and darkness. It's the antithesis of what God desires. There's a great mystery as to why God allowed it into the universe, but we die not because it's just the way things are. We die because we're evil, and the wages of sin is death. That's why we die. That's why I'm going to die. It's why you're going to die, because in Adam, we all are arrogant and we all turn away from God. Some of you, even sitting where you are today, you, have, you say, I don't like that. I don't like to be called a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. I'm going to do it. I know I can be good enough. No, you can't. The material stinks. My material stinks. It's not that our physical body is evil, but our Adamic nature, which all of us have, because we all have physical bodies, we all have physical personalities, here we are, sons of Adams, and we all die. And one thing I can tell you absolutely for sure, from Adam all the way up to our present day, that's a very common reality. People die, and that's sad. So if you're a son of Adam, what's going to happen to you? You die. And that's why I'm so glad I'm not just a son of Adam. I was born a son of Adam. And because I was born a son of Adam, I acted just like Adam. And I didn't have to be taught how to disobey my mom and dad. I didn't have to be taught how to lie. I didn't have to be taught how to be, how to be prideful. I just was all of those things. And therefore, I rebel against God, so I die. But I'm not just a son of Adam. The Apostle Paul talks about the last Adam, not a second Adam. That would imply there's going to be another Adam and another Adam and another Adam. But he says, this is the last Adam. There was the first Adam who produced a race of dyers. And now Paul says there's going to be a last Adam that's not just going to be given the gift of being a living being. He's, he's just clay that God animates. But this time... God says there's going to be a last Adam that in himself will be a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first. Jesus Christ was not born first. He was not the first Adam. It's not talking about whether or not Jesus was existing back then. He was, but not in the form of a man. It says the spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of this world natural, that was Adam. 
then Jesus came into the world, and at his resurrection, he was resurrected, the new spiritual man. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man was from heaven. You say, Dave, what's our heavenly body going to be made out of? Not dirt of this earth. That's the only thing I know. It's going to be heavenly stuff. If anybody ever asks you that, what's your, heaven, what's your body, new body going to be made of? I don't know chemically what it's going to be made of. I know it's going to be heavenly stuff, and I'll take it. How about you? See, that's what it's saying. It's saying that Jesus, when he was resurrected from the dead, was given a new body that was made out of heavenly stuff that would never perish. He was given a body that wouldn't be torn down, that wouldn't grow old, but that could last forever. What an unbelievable transformation. As was the earthly man, so also are those who are of this earth. As is the man from heaven, so also those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the heavenly man. Just as certainly, Paul is saying, as I have looked like this, one day I will look like that. So you say, David, something I ask you today, do you really believe in the resurrection? You go, yeah, I do. They say, why in the world do you believe in the resurrection? I believe I have a body. Do you believe you have a body? Yeah, I think I do. Feel it. Got a body. How many of you have a body? How many of you believe you have a body? Remember, you have one. You know what Paul argues? Just as certainly as you have a body. You know why you have a body? Because you're all sons of Adam. Just as certainly as you're sons of Adam, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you become a son of God. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that Adam's more credible or Jesus more credible? Now, in this case, they're both credible. But I want to tell you something. You know what? You ask me if I believe in the resurrection. I'll tell you this. I believe more certainly that I'm going to be resurrected than I'm alive right now. Because I'm alive right now just because of Adam. And he's not nearly as powerful and mighty and supernatural and eternal as the Son of God. You understand what Paul is saying? That's the way Paul is thinking. He's saying, and that's what our whole faith rests in. Somebody asked me the other day, how do you know what you believe is true? And I said, because Jesus said it. All the Christianity comes down to a basic point. Do you believe not in what I say? You don't have to believe what I say at all. I've never given life to anybody. Man, if a squirrel dies, if a pet dies, our collie died early Sunday morning, I can't do a blessed thing but bury it quick and cry and try to preach. That's all I can do. I can't even give a pet new life. So don't worry about me. I don't care less what you believe about me. But I care with all my heart, from the depths of my being, I care that every single one of you has done serious confrontation with the only man who said, I'm the life giver. You see, that's what Paul is saying. In Adam, we all receive death. But in Christ, we shall all be made alive if we believe in the Son. Now, when is this all going to happen in closing quickly? It all centers in this. I'm going to tell you a mystery, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's what I've been telling you. You can't get into heaven in your present body. 
Some of you don't like it. Some of you really like it. But it's not going to make it. It doesn't breathe heavenly air very well. It's too corrupted and corroded. It's just not going to make it. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Not all of us are going to die. But we'll all be changed. You see, not everyone's going to have to be planted. Aren't you glad for that? Maybe we're not going to be, maybe we'll be the generation that doesn't have to be planted. Boy, that would be exciting. We might be the generation that's not planted, but is changed. We shall not all sleep, we'll not all die, but we'll all be changed. How quick is it going to happen? In a flash, in an, in an atomic moment, the most indivisible moment you can imagine. In the twinkling of an eye, just a just a, a, that, not a wink of the eye. I mean, it takes me about a minute to wink. But just that quick flash of your eye. It says we will be changed in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. In the Old Testament, when the trumpet sounded, it was a sound of the appearance of God, like at Mount Sinai. It was the invasion of an army. It was the inauguration of a new king. And it's saying at the end of time, there's going to be a trumpet that inaugurates the conquering of death and the gift of life. It says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Paul had to get that in because that's the heartbeat of his thought. Paul is saying the sting of death is sin. Why do we die? Death, like I mentioned to you earlier, is not the normal part of life. We die as a penalty for our sin. If we're immoral, it destroys us. It's not like God sends a special plague. God doesn't have to send any special plagues. It's already part of this, of this whole existence. And it's not like him doing anything. It's the idea that if we don't do what he tells us to do, and he designed us, you ruin everything. And that's what the text is saying. The pay for our sin, the pay for turning away from God, is to get the opposite of what God really is. God is life, so if you turn your back on him, you walk into death. And then Paul says that the power of sin is the law. You say, Dave, what does that mean? It means the law is what makes it all an airtight case. You see, I could say, God, you can't punish me. You can't allow me to die. You can't make me face the consequences of my sin. You never told me it would happen. You never gave me any standards to live by. If you would have given me the standard, I would have done it. God says, oh, no, I gave you the standard. I gave you a whole bunch of standards. I said, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't worship. Don't anything but me. Don't turn away from me. I gave you the standard, clear and simple. Then some of us say, well, listen, I'm not Jewish. I didn't have the law of God. I, I just didn't find out the Ten Commandments till I was 40 years old. 
Now, none of you can say that, but let's just say for the sake of argument. Paul in Romans 2 will say, okay, forget the Ten Commandments. Let's just take the law in your own heart. Uh-huh. You say, okay, I got it. My conscience. Paul says, now, your conscience is not perfect, but let me just take your conscience. You can stand before God based upon your consistent obedience to what you know in your heart is right. Right? How many of you want to go and sin before God? All right, God, I always lived consistently with my conscience. When my conscience said, don't take 25 cents from my mother's purse, I never did it. And when my conscience said, you shouldn't lie, you were supposed to be at school and you didn't go to school, you went to a friend's house, and now you're caught red-handed and your mind says, oh, I've got a great story that will make it really fly. Mom, I'll never find out. And your conscience said, no, don't do that. How many of you always did what your conscience said, right? A whole bunch of you can stand up there and say, I've always lived consistent with my conscience. Forget it. And that's the power of the law. You see, we enter a courtroom, and the law is clear. It's like when I get picked up in Midlothian, and they've got a big sign that says 20 miles an hour, school zone. And I go, listen, I'm a pastor. I had a counseling appointment, and it was, I really needed to get back. The officer goes, you can be in court on such and such a date. And I go, but, 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 but. He goes, there's a law. And he takes me in his car, and he very sweetly says, see the sign? 20 miles an hour here. And we go a few more feet, 20 more miles an hour there. And this is the time right here during school hours. And the law has power, doesn't it? And you know what the law says to us today? It says, in Adam, we're all going to die. It says, because every one of us has broken the law of God, that the wages of our sin is death. But Paul says, he finishes our passage by saying, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's my faith. I'm just an ugly old bulb. And the wages of my sin means that if he doesn't come back, I'm going to be planted. And if I only believe that, I'm going to go out and get as drunk as I can get. I'm serious. Paul says it right in the passage. He says, listen, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, let's go out and have a big party. Eat, drink, and be, be merry, for tomorrow we die. But from the bottom of my heart, I'm not going to get drunk because I want to stay very sober because I don't want to miss one moment of this life because Jesus Christ has said, this is not the end. This is the end. And therefore, we should be immovable abounding in the work of the Lord because Jesus Christ covered me. He put me in his hand and he became me in the sense that he took all of my penalty, all of my death, all of my punishment. He took it upon himself. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Paul says to us, it really happened. Do you believe it? And Paul says, do you believe in seeds? Do you believe in different kinds of bodies for different kinds of earthly existence? 
Do you see the glories of the heaven? Do you know that you have a physical body? Paul says, if you can believe in all of those things, listen carefully to the voice of God because God the Father is screaming at every one of us today. He's saying it's all around you. The object lesson could not be clear. My son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was not resuscitated, but he was marvelously resurrected. He was transformed. He is the glorious, ruling, reigning son of God. And every one of you believers, like Mark, and not like Willie, the Marks in this audience can be confident that this, the beauty, the elegance, the glory, the majesty, the power, will be yours not in a very, very fragile flower, but in an imperishable existence. I pray you are looking forward to this imperishable existence. Jesus promises that if you will accept the fact that he took the punishment for your sins when he died, and if you believe that he conquered death on the third day, then you can rest assured that you too can look forward to resurrected eternal life. At the core of your existence, who are you depending on for that split second after your heart stops? and it is time to walk into eternity. Let me offer you a personal invitation to join us in total dependence upon Jesus. Make the decision that moves you from trusting in yourself, your church affiliation, or your family to total dependence upon Jesus Christ alone. Talk to Jesus right now and place your vote fully with him.